G'day everyone, welcome to The Journey this week. My name's Jude Hennessy and it's great to be back with you. I've been on holidays. It's great to be back with you on a pretty significant day in the church calendar. It's Palm Sunday, leading into the events of Holy Week. But to, uh, to get to the resurrection, we've first got a journey to Calvary and that's what this week's going to be all about. It's my absolute pleasure to bring to you from this, this little program that comes out of Wollongong some of the uh, good people from the, the Catholic Church and the Catholic world that really want to contribute to the wonderful ministry, that's what it is, that is Christian Radio. And so really wonderful to have on the show this week some of these good people. We're going to be hearing from Father Anthony Jukes and his reflection from the Triumph Lenten series. We're going to be hearing from Father Sean Cullen as well. He's going to speak to us about just the poignancy of Good Friday and and how Jesus took on all of our sufferings. We're going to be hearing from Darren McDowell. In this week where Jesus felt the sting of betrayal, he's going to talk to us about betrayal. Mother Hilda Scott's with us. She's going to speak to us about understanding that you are the treasure. It was certainly the treasure to Jesus that he was willing to, to suffer and die for. And to kick us off, really great to be hearing from Father Mark De Batista again. Father Mark is going to break open Matthew 27, 11, 54, the gospel reading for this week, and how Jesus' triumphant entry into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday quickly turns, our public mood swings, how the spiritual temperature changes and how Jesus is moving steadfastly to Calvary. We're going to hear that spoken about really fervently by Father Mark D. Batesta. lot to get through, big week. Hope you've been able to have a, a nice lead into what we call Holy Week, which starts with Palm Sunday. Just jumping into Scripture, being really prayerful. You can go right through the, the mystery of salvation from the passion, the death and the resurrection of Jesus. And that's very much what each of our contributors this week, each of our Godspot contributors that I've I've named previously are are going to be leading us on a journey through. Some great music in there too, and we're going to be hearing the Psalms set down for this weekend. It's been great, the Lenten journey, you've been getting all the Psalms set to music, recorded by some artists in the Diocese of Wollongong, and and this one's called My God, My God, Why Have You Abandoned Me? It's really, really haunting. Let's get into it now. Faith, hope, love and life. My name's Jude Hennessy, and thanks for joining us this week on The Journey. The Passion of Our Lord Jesus Christ According to Matthew Jesus was brought before Pontius Pilate, the governor, and the governor put to him this question, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus replied, It is you who say it. But when he was accused by the chief priests and the elders, he refused to answer at all. Pilate then said to him, Do you not hear how many charges they have brought against you? But to the governor's complete amazement, he offered no reply to any of the charges. At festival time, it was the governor's practice to release a prisoner for the people, anyone they chose. Now there was, at that time, a notorious prisoner whose name was Barabbas. So when the crowd gathered, Pilate said to them, Which do you want me to release for you, Barabbas or Jesus, who is called the Christ? for Pilate knew it was out of jealousy that they had handed him over. Now, as he was seated in the chair of judgment, his wife sent him a message. Have nothing to do with that man. I've been upset all day by a dream I had about him. The chief priests and elders, however, had persuaded the crowd to demand the release of Barabbas and the execution of Jesus. So when the governor spoke and asked them, Which of the two do you want me to release for you? They said, Barabbas. Pilate then said to them, But in that case, what am I to do with Jesus who is called the Christ? They all said, Let him be crucified. Pilate asked, Why? What harm has he done? But they shouted all the louder, Let him be crucified. Then Pilate saw he was making no impression, that in fact a riot was imminent. So he took some water, washed his hands in front of the crowd and said, I am innocent of this man's blood, it is your concern. And the people to a man shouted back, His blood be on us and on our children. Then he released Barabbas for them, he ordered Jesus to be first scourged and then handed over to be crucified. 
The governor's soldiers took Jesus with them into the praetorium and collected the whole cohort round him. Then they stripped him, made him wear a scarlet cloak, and having twisted some thorns into a crown, they put it on his head and placed a reed in his right hand. To make fun of him, they knelt to him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews! And they spat on him and took the reed and struck him on the head with it. When they had finished making fun of him, they took off the cloak and dressed him in his own clothes and led him away to crucify him. On their way out, they came across a man from Cyrene, Simon by name, and enlisted him to carry his cross. When they reached a place called Golgotha, that is, the place of the skull, they gave him wine to drink mixed with gall, which he tasted but refused to drink. When they had finished crucifying him, they shared out his clothing by casting lots and then sat down and stayed there keeping guard over him. Above his head was placed the charge against him. It read, This is Jesus, King of the Jews. At the same time, two robbers were crucified with him, one on the right and one on the left. The passers-by jeered at him. They shook their heads and said, So you will destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days? Then save yourself. If you're God's son, come down from the cross. The chief priests with the scribes and elders mocked him in the same way, saying, He saved others. He cannot save himself. He is the king of Israel. Let him come down from the cross now and we will believe in him. He put his trust in God. Now let God rescue him if he wants him. For he did say, I am the Son of God. Even the robbers who were crucified with him taunted him in the same way. From the sixth hour, there was darkness all over the land until the ninth hour. And at about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eli, Eli, Lamech, Sabatani. That is, my God, my God, why have you deserted me? When some of those who stood there heard this, they said, The man is calling on Elijah. And one of them quickly ran to get a sponge, which he dipped in vinegar, and putting it on a reed, gave it to him to drink. The rest of them said, Wait, see if Elijah will come to save him. But Jesus, again crying out in a loud voice, yielded up his spirit. At that, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth quaked, the rocks were split, The tombs opened and the bodies of many holy men rose from the dead, and these, after his resurrection, came out of tombs, entered the holy city, and appeared to a number of people. Meanwhile, the centurion, together with the others guarding Jesus, had seen the earthquake and all that was taking place, and they were terrified and said, In truth, this was a son of God. The Gospel of the Lord. And now, the Gospel Reflection with Father Mark de Battista. The essence of Passion Sunday is the triumphal entry of Jesus into Jerusalem, not to accomplish some earthly triumph, but the triumph of the cross. Throughout the public ministry of Jesus, his disciples frequently misunderstand his kingdom as a political one. But Jesus' constant responses or avoidance of this thinking fails to convince them of an alternative meaning. It must be noted that the triumphal entry into Jerusalem is planned by Jesus himself. However, this kingship is not of this world. He sends disciples into the city to prepare the colt for him to ride on. Yet Jesus' clear triumphal entry is to be distinguished from a terrestrial one in a number of ways. First, The recognition of the kingship of Jesus is not a political one, although it will be recognized as a kingship. Second, the customary way for earthly kings to enter their own city was on horseback, typically with the conquered monarch in chains being paraded behind in humiliation of the conquered nation. Jesus does no such thing. He rides on a colt, the foal of a donkey. This is to show that he is following in the line and kingship of David, because the royal animal in that kingdom was not a horse, but a mule. Third, Jesus is recognized as king only by his disciples, not by all the people of Jerusalem. 
the critics call him to silence his disciples. But Jesus tells them that if they keep silent, the stones will cry out. Hence, only the subjects of the kingdom, his disciples, recognize his kingship, albeit with a misguided understanding. While Jesus' entry into Jerusalem is triumphal and deliberate, it is also highly symbolic, anticipating a victory which is yet to be accomplished upon a cross, and not in some worldly sense. As the liturgy unfolds into the sacred passion, the faithful behold the various responses of the disciples once their own shattered misunderstandings of the kingdom are exposed. Judas loses his way through selfish ambition, then remorse, then despair and suicide. Peter is betrayed by his own self-assurance and denies his master three times. The other disciples run away. Not a good track record. Meanwhile, a few stand by him while dying upon the cross, and Joseph of Arimathea boldly asks Pilate for the dead body of Jesus. Moreover, while Pilate is on his judgment seat, the people as a whole are offered a choice between Jesus and Barabbas. Superficially, it is an option between one man and another, but theologically speaking, the people are being given a choice as to how they wish Israel to be as God's firstborn son. When one separates the name of Barabbas in Aramaic, one derives two words, Bar meaning son and Abbas meaning father. In other words, choosing Barabbas means choosing the son of the father. The choice now becomes clearer. Which son of God will the people choose to be? A son of the father according to the model of Barabbas, who was a notorious criminal, or a son of the father according to Jesus of Nazareth, who was the true son of the father, a pattern of righteousness and holiness. Unfortunately, they choose Barabbas, thus sending Jesus to his death and confirming their own need for the sacrifice that takes away the sins of the world. The Passion shows how quickly the mood swings between support for Jesus and calling for his blood. It reveals the profound fickleness of the human condition. You're listening to The Journey, music, interviews and wisdom for living life to the full.
You're listening to The Journey, music, interviews and wisdom for living life to the full. Now, Wisdom from the Abbey with Mother Hilda. If you have ever loved someone, then you know that real love never disappears. Take a moment as you are reading or listening to this reflection to stop and ask yourself, who in my life have I really loved? Notice I did not ask, who loves you? The answer may just surprise you. Perhaps it is an old aunt who always had time for you. Perhaps it is a son or daughter who no longer speaks to you. Perhaps it is... The thing about real love is that it does not matter what the other person has or has not done. Love cannot be swept away. It cannot disappear. It cannot be dissolved like sugar in a glass of hot water. And it cannot be killed off. No sacrifice is too great when it comes to love. There is nothing a person would not do to ensure the good and happiness of the one who is loved. Even if the other person has sold you down the drain, has done the worst possible things to you, if the love is real, you will find yourself whispering, But I love you. That does not mean diminishing or ignoring what was done or said. It is simply a recognition that love always floats above the rubbish to the surface. There was a catchphrase in the film novel Love Story where the lead character Jenny said, Love means never having to say you're sorry. That, of course, is nonsense. Real love is hard, demanding and consistent work. And the point I want to make here is that real love is at the same time never-ending. It is eternal. Love is its own reward. Loving the other is all that matters. I read one of those mostly suspect news clips recently, which talked about the love King Charles has for his son, Prince Harry, and how he desperately wants reconciliation. It talked about the love he had for his son, even though his son has bad-mouthed him, and to all appearances has trashed everything that was precious between them. I believe it is possible to draw a direct line from the real love in one's life right to Calvary. There is a hymn that has been a favourite of mine for many years, I Found the Treasure. The chorus is apt. I found the treasure in a field that neither time nor death can steal. I will sell what I have, give all that I am, to hold this treasure as my own. If you take yourself to Calvary this week and sit beneath the cross looking up into the face of Jesus, these are the words he is saying to you. You are the treasure he found and he cannot believe his good fortune. To ensure that life can work for you, to ensure your ultimate happiness, he is on the cross enduring the worst that the world can throw at him and yet giving his best in return. He has given away everything. He has given all that he is because he loves you and you are his own. His eyes never leave you. In fact, if you look very closely, you will even see a glimmer of happiness. Well, thanks so much to Mother Hilda Scott there. Wisdom from the Abbey is her much-loved segment. She entitled it this week, You Are the Treasure, and how because of his great love, Jesus was willing to sacrifice everything, making the point that in the eyes of Jesus, we are the treasure that he was willing to endure all of that for. After the break, we're going to be hearing some more about the experiences of Jesus, the very human experiences of Jesus this week. And so Darren McDowell is going to talk to us about betrayal, that's after the break. First up, though, here's a, here's a song from Colin Ray. It's called We Are There. Faith, hope, love and life. My name's Jude Hennessy. Really pleased you joined us in this holy week on Palm Sunday. You're on the journey. Were you there when they 
Together on the journey, faith, hope and love for life in all its fullness.
sheep he was humble to his father's own will. So sad was his face that the birds hushed their singing. They were walking my Another Triumph series Lenten Reflection. Here's Darren McDowell and his reflection for Wednesday of Holy Week on Matthew 26, verse 21, The Betrayal. Have you ever felt betrayed by someone? It can be the most damaging of experiences. There can be a myriad of emotions. Shame, hurt, anger, resentment. We feel gutted at the core of our being. Our relationship with the person who betrayed us is often destroyed. The trust we once had, broken. What is our response to such betrayal? Our natural inclination may be to attack, to lash out in anger, or even vengeance. We may try and get back at the person, hurt them, repaying like for like. However, is this the best response? The response of a disciple? Our first reading from Isaiah gives us a strong indication of how God invites us to respond with confidence and trust that He is indeed at our side and will stand beside us, lifting us up and holding our dignity in His care. This is the pattern of Jesus' example too when He is betrayed by Judas at the Last Supper. He does not lash out, nor try to take vengeance but rather offers a dignified silence to his attackers. Our strength to take this approach can only come through a deep relationship with God, one that listens, learns, and remains close to Him in love. In developing our relationship with God, we find God's own strength to face immense hurt of being betrayed. It was Jesus' deep relationship with His Father that allowed him to set his face like flint, trusting in the Father's ultimate vindication through the resurrection. Let us pray. Father, may we too stand strong and confident, trusting in you in the face of betrayal. Amen. That was great. Thanks so much to Darren McDowell. He's uh, he's a champion fella. Really proud to call him a mate. This contribution that he's made for us this week was all about what it's like to feel betrayed and the betrayal that Jesus encountered and how his deep relationship with his father allowed him to endure that and embrace the suffering, face the mistreatment, face the lies, face the the mockery. I'm really grateful for Darren for what he's contributed there. Again, taken from the Triumph Lenten series that, uh, that Darren contributed to so well. Another good man who's done that is uh, his father, Sean Cullen, and we're going to hear from him after the break. He's, he's going to speak to us about, well, probably the most significant day in the Easter events of Holy Week, apart from the resurrection, and that's Good Friday after the break. But first up, here's Newsboys and the song Alleluia for the Cross. Faith, hope, love and life. My name's Jude Hennessy. We're in Holy Week, and you're on the journey. Hallelujah for the cross 
The Triumph Series Lenten Reflections continue with Father Sean Cullen and his reflection for Good Friday. The liturgy for today is solemn. The day is set aside for reflection. The altar is bare. There are no decorations around the church. We are quiet. We are invited to enter the tomb and stay there in anticipation of Easter. It could be the tomb of suffering, of illness and death, of a broken relationship, of a lost job, of addiction, of abuse, or of identity confusion. The good news of Good Friday is that we are not alone in that tomb. When we face and walk in the midst of our difficulties, Jesus is with us and on our side. Suffering enables us to become more discerning so that we can seek values that are life-giving rather than following the latest opinion poll. Suffering can make us more sensitive and open to other people's hurts and needs. We become more appreciative of what we have and who we are. We take less for granted those who are close to us. We can become strong again because we understand that ultimately we depend on God. This is the time to throw ourselves into the arms of God who is there with us in the tomb. Good Friday is the day when Jesus reminds us that his hands are on our heads when we are physically, emotionally, morally and spiritually in pain, telling us, I know you are hurting, I know you are confused. I know you feel like giving up, but take courage. You are not alone. Don't give up. Let's keep going. I am with you and I'll never leave you. Let us pray. Lord, let me not be afraid to enter my tomb of suffering. Let me know the strength of your presence. Amen. That was great. Thanks so much to Father Sean Cullen there. He's the parish priest down there in Barrel, Mittagong. And great to be reminded how Good Friday 
should assure us that Jesus is with us when we're physically, emotionally, morally, spiritually in pain and he's constantly encouraging us not to give up but to take courage and keep going, just as he did, even amidst all the all the pain and suffering of Good Friday. After the break, you're going to hear from another really awesome priest. His name's Father Anthony Jukes. After Good Friday, we've got this period of waiting, which is uh, referred to in our church as Holy Saturday and uh, leads into the great vigil celebration of the resurrection of, of Jesus. And so Father Anthony Jukes is going to talk to us about the time of waiting, the time of stillness, and the movement from despair to, to hope and then to joy. That's after the break. First up, a bit more music. Here's Crowder featuring Torrin Wells, and the song's called All My Hope. Faith, hope, love and life. My name's Jude Hennessy, and we're getting near the end, but so glad you've joined us on the journey in this holy week.
together on the journey. Faith, hope and love for life in all its fullness. Now, our final Triumph Series Lenten Reflection. Here's Father Anthony Jukes and his reflection for Holy Saturday. The resurrection could not have been a made-up story. The cross was a barbaric, brutal instrument of torture, humiliation and shame. Those nailed to a cross suffered a slow and agonisingly painful death. According to the Jewish law, a person who died on a tree was cursed by God. So it is totally understandable that when Jesus foretold his suffering and death, the Apostle Peter was horrified. God forbid, Lord, he said, this shall never happen to you. Peter believed Jesus to be the Son of the living God, not one who is to be cursed by God by dying on a tree, nailed to a piece of wood. It is also understandable that apart from the beloved disciple, the mother of Jesus and a few women, most of the disciples ran away when Jesus was arrested and put to death. They were horrified by what was happening and were afraid the same would happen to them. It is not surprising that even after hearing reports of the resurrection, the apostles were slow to believe, hiding in fear. They were traumatised by what happened. And yet, soon after the horror of the cross, Peter, without fear, raised his voice and preached that Jesus, who had been crucified, had now been raised from the dead. Something incredible must have happened that helped the apostles overcome their fear, transforming despair into hope and opening their hearts and minds to believe. The experience of the risen Lord must have been so real that instead of running away, the apostles were now even willing to risk their lives. And indeed, many of them lost their own lives in order to bring this message of hope to others. And so we pray, Lord, help us to believe in your triumph over death. Amen. Hi, I'm Charles from Ho Chi Minh City, Vietnam, and you're listening to The Journey.
That's a great song to finish with, Michael Sweet, and the song he's called Calvary. Thanks to Father Anthony Jukes there. Spoke to us about the waiting of Holy Saturday, the stillness and trauma that had been part of the crucifixion, but how this would lead after this period of just breathlessness and stillness about what had happened, how despair is transformed into, into hope and the, the joy that leads to the real boldness of the apostles eventually, particularly with, uh, with the outpouring of the Spirit. So thanks to Father Anthony Jukes. Thanks to Father Sean Cullen too. Great to hear from Darren McDowell and, and Mother Hilda Scott and, and Father Mark Tubert's sister right at the top of the show. Really encourage you this week to, uh, to be prayerful, have lots of times of quiet, just to enter into the space of, of hardship and trauma that Jesus did in some small way. Dive into the scriptures, of course, and, uh, and get along to your local church. Maybe invite someone to come with you. Hey, there's uh, some great stuff that's being said in, in National Church Life Survey results and breaking down that how many, many people would absolutely respond positively to an invitation to attend church. And, you know, Christmas and Easter are, are two real opportunities to do that and, and to ensure that people hear the life-giving message of, of the basic gospel. So maybe consider that. Pray about who you might, uh, who might do that for and pray for the courage to, to reach out and do it. Hope you have a great week. We will be doing it all again next week on what will be Easter Sunday, the end of the Lenten season and entry point into a, a season of joy, a season of feasting. That's something to look forward to always. Faith, hope, love and life. My name's Jude Hennessy. Thanks for joining us on The Journey. The Journey is presented by Jude Hennessy and produced by Max Norden on Darawal Country in the office of the Bishop for the Catholic Diocese of Wollongong.